It is time for Rural Queensland today on this Friday morning, the 7th of July, and a warm welcome to our listeners across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4VL Charleville, 4ZR in Roma, 4HI Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4GC at the Towers, 4LG Longridge, 4SB Kingaroy, and the Hot Country Network. Andrew, what's with you here for Friday's edition of the show? And uh, haven't we got a big show planned this morning? We'll talk to David Power aka Crockett uh, on his 49 years of bookmaking and uh, his planned retirement Uh, great to have a catch up with Crockett later on in the program Australia's number one town crier he comes from Toowoomba and we'll talk to him later on in the program Rebecca Fratelli um, is tackling kids obesity and she's from Health and Wellbeing in Queensland. We'll talk to her lately, uh, later on in the program. And of course, as usual, it's Friday morning. Uh, we'll start the program with Senator Susan McDonald. She's up shortly. Let's get the show rolling. It's rural Queensland today, Friday morning, the 7th of July. Back with Rural Queensland today for this Friday morning, the 7th of July. And um, we couldn't quite catch up with uh, Senator Susan McDonald last week, but she uh, is joining us this morning, the regular Friday morning guest here on the program. Uh, good morning, Susan. Good morning to you, Andrew. And yes, I was uh, crook as a dog last week. I think half the state's been down with Lurgy, <laughs> but uh, all recovered now and really pleased to to join you on the radio this morning. Now, Susan, big day um, for you with uh, Senate pre-selection happening. That's exactly right, Andrew. And it's it's another good reason to join the LNP is that as a delegate to the the State Council, you get to come and be a part of the decision-making for choosing senators. And uh, every six years... I have to go forward and put forward my name for the party to decide if I will be their candidate to go on the ticket to go to the election uh, at the, at the, for the Senate at the next election. So it's five years since I went up last time. And, uh, and so here I am again, and it's a very big day, and it's exciting and nerve-wracking and, yeah... Good day. A very good day. Now um, let's move on to a few topics for this morning, including CASA, who have reinstated uh, approval for landing on a few of our small islands. Yes, and uh, I spoke to to Ben about this a while ago because last October, CASA, in their infinite wisdom, removed the approval for landing at all strips in the Torres Strait. Uh, they set, made a safety case, despite there being no incidents on landing on these islands for over 20 years for Skytrans, which was the commercial operator. And, and so they forced community members at uh, Mabiag Island and um, Arab Island into boats onto dinghy wow. in the open ocean. 10 k rather than go on a proven, safe aircraft. And, of course, the very predictable outcome happened, Andrew, where we lost the life of a very respected uh, woman from Cairns. Uh, it doesn't matter who it was, but this is just a massive failure of bureaucratic rubbish coming out of Canberra and making life harder for those of us who live in rural, regional and remote places and rely on aircraft. Anyway, I'm delighted 
that on Wednesday, SkyTrans was able to demonstrate landing weights uh, and those services are returning to those islands, uh, but it was an unnecessary break in proceedings. I cannot believe that those citizens of Australia in the Thursday Islands, Torres Strait Islands, I should say, haven't enjoyed the same effort and energy as Labor would be giving you if you lived in inner city um, Sydney. It's just been appalling. Anyway, the service has been uh, returned and uh, it, it's just another demonstration of how, you know, how out of touch they are. I wouldn't say we're on the road to the 2024 state elections, but you can sort of see it bubbling away in the distant. And the first set of polls uh, has been released and the uh, results aren't looking too good for the Palaszczuk government. No, I think they're just a reflection of what everybody knows. They know that uh, our health services are less that uh, ringing an ambulance may not mean one will turn up or in a timely way, uh, that there is ramping at the hospitals, that there is uh, reduced health care at some places. Um, maternity services at Gladstone has been in the paper. I mean, that's a town of 80,000 people. Yep. We're forcing mums on the road for prenatal, antenatal care as well as giving birth. Um the, the uh, crime is out of control. The crime minister, the uh, Attorney-General, Megan Scanlon, was the very minister who changed the legislation that removed bail as a, a breach of bail as an offence mm. and made um, jail a last, last resort for magistrates. And then we've watched as the status filed out of control with youth crime and guess what the, pri the premier has put her back in charge of that same portfolio mm. so it's just madness um, we know that taxes are increasing in the state both personally and for coal companies the very places that should be investing here and they're walking away in droves um, so what we're seeing is a Queensland, a state that is blessed with every natural asset and, um, you know, lifestyle and everything great in the world, and yet the government has spent another eight years buggering it up. So these polls are demonstrating that Queenslanders have had enough. If there was an election today, they would change government. Now, what? that doesn't mean that they will in 16 months' time... But it should be a warning to Palaszczuk, a last warning, get your house sorted because otherwise the state will change government. One, one interesting note I did see from the polls that, that probably is something that the LNP need to have a look at as well, that 39% of the people polled weren't sure who the leader of the opposition was. Now, what can David Christofuli do to get these people knowing who he is. I mean, he came onto the scene with a bang uh, when, when he got elected as the party leader. And, look, I've met him a couple of times. He comes out west. Um, but w what can he do, the party do, to more or less win the election as opposed to Labor losing it? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And over my time being around uh, politics, it's my observation that oppositions don't win government. Governments lose mm. government. And, uh, and so it is David Christofoli and the, his team's job to be a credible opposition 
to be safe hands for Queenslanders to change to. But really, they're deciding whether or not they want this government, this failed, inept, hopeless administration, just failing in integrity and service delivery uh, on every level. So, David Chrysophuli, I think... Well, let's, let's think back to when Anastasia Palaszczuk won as a Premier, mm. uh, leader of 11 members of Parliament. Nobody knew who she was. Uh, but the, the government of the day, the LNP, I'm sad to say, lost the, lost the support of Queenslanders. Queenslanders at that point didn't care who they were not voting for. Uh, who they were voting for, sorry, it just wasn't him. And I think you will find it'll be the same with Palaszczuk. And I think David Christopher and the team are demonstrating their credible alternative. Moving on now, and The Voice, it's being spoken about, I think, on nearly every news bulletin. It seemed... Well, it's, it's sort of, it's a really divided opinion on, on The Voice. Um, lots of different opinions. Um, the campaign has just been all over the place and I think has lost a hell of a lot of credibility uh, on our way to a national referendum. That's exactly right. And, and one of the great tragedies is that because there was so little detail provided by the government at the outset, is that they're now trying to plug holes. So the Minister's coming out and saying, well, th these are the only things, these are the four topics that will be able to be referred to. There's nowhere that, that it's referred to in the constitutional change. Um, in Statement from the Heart, we've got Thomas Mayo, one of the, uh, one of the architects in Statement of the Heart, basically coming out as a... As, um, you know, a rabid kind of communist who's he's got very clear ideals about pulling down the society as we as we live in it. Um, it it's it's made everybody, I think, very nervous about what it is exactly that Albanese is asking people to sign up for. I just think it is too big a deal. Constitutional change is too big a deal to do this if we're not incredibly clear on what we're doing. Mm. So Peter Dutton said to Albo, uh, I'll support you if you want to delay this, if you want to amend it, if you want to take some time and take a better proposal, but uh, it's boots and all from the Albanese government. So uh, I think we have no choice but to vote, uh, to vote against this, to say no at the referendum, because it is too uncertain it is too divisive. Uh, it, it is um, permanent. It is almost impossible to make constitutional change. And so if this were to get up, uh, we would have no ability to amend it uh, in the way that government is suggesting, oh, we'll just amend the legislation. Well, I think we all know that that's, that's not true. Once something's in the constitution, the High Court will determine the shape and breadth of it. So it is, it, this is, I think it's, it's incredibly concerning that despite the Albanese government saying this has been consulted with for Indigenous Australians for a number of years, well, the first most Australians more broadly have seen of it has been in the last six months. And they're saying, I just don't have enough information. I feel worried about what the impact for the longer term will be. I can see that it's dividing my communities and my country. 
this is something Australia should be incredibly proud of. It's, it's strong, multiracial uh, tapestry. If we have a problem with disadvantage in this country, I think we need to look at the root cause. And I don't believe it's race. I believe it's geography and poverty. Mm -hmm. So when you go to very remote communities, that there's no availability for jobs, that there is um, adequate health care and education, that it is our job to rectify that, not change our constitution to recognise race in it. Well, as it stands at the moment, you could pull up 10 people of any race, Indigenous, whatever, and ask them what the voice is, and um, probably 10 blank faces would look at you or 10 different answers. It's it's quite incredible um, that this is moving forward. Anyhow, we'll wrap it up there. Senator Susan McDonald, um, good luck today with your pre-selection, and uh, you'll be back with Ben next Friday on Rural Queensland Today. Thanks, Andrew. It's been great having you on air. It is Rural Queensland Today, heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You tuned in to Rural Queensland today for this morning, Friday morning, the 7th of July. Andrew, what's with you here uh, for the program today? Now, a very important topic, and uh, it's becoming more and more topical as kids, and in particular Queensland kids, are struggling with activities and getting involved in activities, of course, leading to obesity. Now, a couple of statistics. One in four Queensland kids are overweight or living with obesity. 54% of Queensland kids are not physically active enough. And two in five Queensland parents find it difficult to talk to their kids about physical activity. To combat this, Australia's first free app has been released to attack childhood obesity. It's called the Pod Squad, and to find out more about this, I'm joined by Rebecca Faletti, the Health and Wellbeing Queensland, uh, this morning. G'day, Rebecca. Thanks for your time. Hi. Thank you for having me. Firstly, those statistics are very, very worrying. They sure are. And, you know, what we can really do is support families um, to embrace healthy habits together. And that's why we've created Pod. As you said, it's a free play-based wellbeing app um, that really does help uh, families with nutrition, physical activity and sleep, which are really key pillars in supporting kids to have those healthy habits that can last them a lifetime. And look, coming from a restaurant background myself, I... you know, a lot of the weekends, your family's brought in kids for dinner. And I mean, I'm only seeing a snapshot of their eating habits. But at those times, you see nuggets and hot chips, ice creams, cans of Coke. You know, like it's it's quite evident that parents particularly aren't helping their children with what they're putting into their mouth. It's a tough job being a parent, I have to say, from personal experience. You know, we uh, families time poor. There's so much going on, and it can be really tricky to, um, you know, always prioritise some of these healthy behaviours. So um, we totally get it. And what we're hoping that programs like Pod Squad can do is to integrate into family life so that these things do become more routine, um, you know, with supportive tools that can really make a difference. So whether you're at home, which is where Pod Squad can really help to drive some positive changes, 
is or you're out and about, um, we hope that this provides families with the information and the strategies that they need to um, support the choices that they want to make for um, healthier life, really. Well, obviously the statistics are one of the driving factors behind the pod squad, but but tell us the background behind the app, who's been involved um, in creating um, this great new initiative. Absolutely. So Health and Wellbeing, Health and Wellbeing Queensland has uh, led the charge on the development of Pod Squad, but we've also had some fantastic partners involved. So we've been working with experts at the University of Queensland, but also health experts and technology experts from across the state, so that it really is um, a really well-shaped program that does meet the needs of Queensland's diverse families. Uh, really importantly, we've had families involved from the very beginning. So over 300 Queensland children and their families have helped us to design the program. And that includes families from uh, regional and remote parts of Queensland. It certainly is a great initiative. Um, Look, diet, as we mentioned, is is one part of this problem. But a couple of the other interesting facts, which we mentioned at the start, was the physical activity. Now, it's saying 54% of Queensland kids aren't physically active enough. What What is active enough? How much time per day or per week or activities should kids be looking at being involved? It really depends on the age of the child. Mm. Um, generally speaking, we'd love to see kids doing, you know, about 60 minutes of huff and puff activity a day. But really what we'd love to see kids doing is getting outside when that's possible, um, enjoying some active play. And when it's not possible, inside the home or in your backyard, at your local park, wherever you can do it, um, get moving. You know, we can step away from the screen, from screen time. We can use things like PodSquad to spark some interest in putting down the screen and getting active. Um, So I guess it's um, reframing how we use our recreational time and rediscovering some of those things that that kids really, I think, innately love to do, and that's play and explore um, and spend time together with their family. And and, and screen time's an interesting one, isn't it? Because as a parent myself, you you have the ideals that um, (laughs) you won't use the iPad or the phone as a babysitting tool, but invariably sometimes it's just the easy way out. But what I find... Find interesting here again is that two in five parents are finding it difficult to talk to their kids about physical activity. I mean, that that seems a that seems a strange statistic. Tell us a bit more about that. I think you know, for for parents and carers, we want to do the best we can for our kids, and you know, positive conversations is a big part of that. Mm. Um, and you know, it can be difficult to know what information is going to be credible, trustworthy that we're finding online. Um, And, you know, that PodSquad was um, created in response to that as well. You know, families want to go to a place that they can trust to help them have those conversations with kids and also to know what to do with the information that they find. Um, And PodSquad helps to bridge that gap. So it's not just about providing information and and educating um, kids. It's about what can we do to put that into practice? So how do we take the fun learnings and then, you know, increase our physical activity or start that bedtime routine that's going to help kids wake up feeling energised and ready to learn and play. So it's, you know, it's um, a complicated sort of 
um, backstory, but for families using PodSquad, the program, we hope that it's really simple and, and integrates into family life really well. We're chatting to Rebecca Fraletti from the Health and Wellbeing Queensland. PodSquad, how do our listeners find out more, most importantly, if they want to get involved? Because it's already being uh, used, actually, by up to 300 Queensland families. Absolutely. Families can find out more by visiting playpodsquad.com.au or you can head straight to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and download it for free now. That's an incredible initiative and... um I'll certainly um, keep my eye on this. I might even download it myself this morning and get some tips. Uh, Rebecca Folletti, the Health and Wellbeing Queensland, thanks very much for your time uh, this morning here on Rural Queensland Today. Thank you for having me. Heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with Rural Queensland today on this Friday, the 7th of July. Andrew Watts with you this morning. It's my last edition before uh, Ben Dobbin returns next week. And a chat I've been looking forward to uh, all week and finally got it to, to come to pass before I finish up today. And that is with Kevin Howarth. Now, who is Kevin Howarth? He's the 2023 Australian champion town crier. And the one who gives the loudest cry as well uh, to an ear-splitting 96 decibels. We probably won't get him to do that one today, uh, but he's been the region's town cry for five years. He's joining us on Rural Queensland today this morning. Kevin, congratulations and uh, a warm welcome to Rural Queensland today. Oh, thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much for having a chat to me this morning. And, yeah, I'm a little bit upset, actually, because 96 decibels, which I did this year... The year before, I did 103 decibels. That's that's one loud hee-yee, hee-yee. Yeah, yeah. Everybody says hee-yee, and it's not. It's oh-yay. Is it? It's like a French thing. It's French for listen here. Oh-yay, we all say. Oh-yay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. it. (laughs) How do you get into town crying? Oh, well, it's so funny. I, I always remember, as you can tell, I've got, with this voice of mine, uh, I'm a pom originally. Yeah. And uh, I was with my, I always remember, I was with my mum and dad when I was about eight years of age and went to one of these little villages in England and there's a guy dressed up singing and shouting. <laughs> and my dad said to me, he said, hey, Kevin, I think you'd be a good town crier. And I said, why, dad? He said, because you've got a voice like a foghorn. <laughs> so I thought, okay. <laughs> and then lo and behold, years later, I, I came over here. I came, I've been in, this beautiful country, Australia, for about 14 years now. And um, I have a little community radio show and I I DJ. I'm a former UK DJ of the year. I've DJed all around the world playing music. And um, what what happened, uh, I met the guy, the old Ralph Cockle, who was the the original town crier from uh, Toowoomba, a lovely guy. And sadly, he... He got cancer and he, he died, and I got to know him really well. And then the council put it up again and said, oh, we're looking for a new town cry, and I threw my hat in, and luckily I got it. <laughs> so so he, he's, he was basically your mentor through this? Because I was going to ask, how do you learn, or, or you know, what do you base yourself on? Is it YouTube videos? But like anything, it's, it's best to have somebody there mentoring you. Well, yeah, well, no, because well, well, Ralph was alive. It didn't even cross my yep. radar that I wanted to be the town crier. But... but it's funny how things happen. I met a guy from Warwick and Stanthorpe called Bob Townsend, lovely gentleman. And Bob 
actually took me under his wing when I became the Toowoomba Town Crier. He contacted me and he and he gave me little steps how to do things and and, and what to do because it's not just being the loudest. It's it's all about your poise, how you you, you walk on and greet people and things like that, and and also cries what you're actually saying you cry as well because they can be important as well and what before we get into the actual nuts and bolts of being australia's champion town crier what sort of things do you talk about in in toowoomba and and where are you based and and how often do you do it well i'm based actually near the center of toowoomba and i do junior and and it flabbergasts me the size of the toowoomba region When I first came around, became the town cry. They drove me north and drove me south. And all day I was driving, just and me being the pond, like uh, four kilometres is a long way for me. It's like wow, <laughs> you can get across England in four k's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I do, I do um, lots. Of, well, the main thing I do is citizenships. We have quite a few citizenships. Oh wow! Yep. And I bring, I bring the mayor on, and it, and it brings a bit of like ceremony to it. And, and the mayor. Paul Antonio, well, he's, he's retiring now, Paul Paul, mm. and he loves it because what happens if there's a crowded room and normally he starts talking, it takes a little bit for the crowd to sort of die down. But when I come in with a, oh, yeah, and it's like, whoa, what the hell is that? And everybody, <laughs> everybody shuts up and all that. So so he loves it, and I do. I like going around to schools and old people's homes, and I tell a little bit about the history of town crying as well, which is quite fascinating, All the, like how it all started and all this, that, and the other. It's quite good. Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. Now... Like myself, uh, I do a bit of race calling and, of course, work a lot on radio. The voice is so important. Um, what do you do to keep it uh, keep it intact? I might need a few well, tips. I, well, Andrew, do you know what? I never, ever did anything with the voice at the start, but I did the Carnival of Flowers. <laughs> and do you know the parade of Carnival of Flowers? on for like three hours. And I constantly, I was on the back of this car, oh, yay, oh, yay. Never thought anything of it. The next day, I'd lost my voice. Ooh. And it didn't actually... My voice didn't hurt, but I just couldn't speak properly. So one of the times when I was doing little radio interviews, I interviewed this lady who was um, like a choir master yep. at this Parkinson's. Oh, that was fascinating, Andrew. That a lot of people had, it's called Parkinson's. You go there, yep. and a lot of people suddenly got the Parkinson's, it's shaking and everything. But as soon as they start singing, it goes. And I, and I sort of said to her, I said, what about my throat? Is there anything I should do? So she said, you should um, gargle. Yep. You should blow bubbles with a straw into a glass. You said, hum, Danny boy. Yeah, weird. And also try and exercise your diaphragm. I'm thinking, how the hell do I exercise the diaphragm? I've got to go to the gym or something or another. <laughs> but I, it's, it's just looking after it or whatever, yep. but like I, I'm, I've got back like a couple of days ago and I'm still feeling a bit wiped out actually after the show because <laughs> we're constantly on the go, in Mar- but it was great. It was in Maryborough and they had their Mary Poppings Festival and the guys had us doing all sorts of things for four days, walking around in the costumes and all that and meeting, meeting people. That's what I love. As soon as you put your, yep. your costume on, your uniform on, people generate to you and it's great we're chatting to kevin howth who is the 2023 australian champion town crier now you contested the title four times you were twice runner-up in 2018 and 2022 but this year 
amongst 12 of your peers, you took the title. Tell us um, how the competition works. Okay, it's quite, it's quite an involved competition. What, what happens is we have a home cry, which you talk about, and all the cries are between 100 and 125 words. And let's all start with three, oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay, and then finish with uh, God bless Australia or God save the king. So in between that, you're right. Like I say, you write about the home place. So I did a thing all about Toowoomba, and then you write about all about the Fraser Coast. And the first, you, you, as soon as you walk on, you've got the guy with the decibel meter, and he does the three OEAs, and that counts as how many, how loud you go. But then you've got a person with a back sat towards you, well, not towards you, away from you, and they're counting and recording all the words that you say because you've got your cry written in front of you, but some people stumble over a word or miss a word, and there's something other that gets deducted. And then you've got two other people, one person who's doing the diction and how it's, the cry is going, and the other one is doing all the making sure that you you have all the the, the, the sound, other intonations of the sound as well, yep. and your poise and how you walk on and how you carry yourself. So it's quite all these different judges looking at you. It's funny. Great stuff, mate. It sounds uh, very intriguing. Just out of curiosity, where do the other cries come from? Oh, we had some uh, all over Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, Canberra. Uh, a couple of cries couldn't make it because they're, they've gone over to the UK, uh, competing in the UK, guy from South Australia. And, of course, a few great cries from Queensland as well. Great stuff. Well, it's been great having you on, Kevin. Um, enjoyed the story uh, and there was also the background in your um, time as a, a town cry. Five years uh, for the Toowoomba Region's uh, big gig. And I'm going to ask you if you could leave us this morning with one of your cries. Oh, Andrew, it's been a pleasure and a big thank you and a big hello going out to all the rural Queensland listeners out there. Thank you so much for having me on today. And I'm still in Cloud Cuckoo now. It's funny, when they told me that I'd won, I was like, what? What? And I rung my daughter up, who's starting university in Canberra, and we're both like in tears and all this, that, and the other, having a chat with each other. And she told me, said, Dad, you are number one in Australia, and you are also number one in the UK. I said, what do you mean? And back in the late eight late 80s i was the uk dj of the year yeah i traveled the world all over as the uk dj of the year so so that's amazing amazing big, big gap between though oh it's still good to have two crowns oh yeah great great <laughs> take it away mate thanks for your time thank you oh yay oh yay Australia's Garden City atop the Great Divide, broadcasting Toowoomba greetings to people across the land. Blessed with four seasons, showcasing nature's bounty, from misty mountains to endless fertile fields. We are a vast food producer, feeding masses at home and overseas. Stay in our arty high country with fruit and booty gin. You'll have to stay the night with too much to fit in. Your mouth will surely gape. Iron botanical landscapes, our wondrous floral festival, when parks and gardens flourish, 
with nods to pioneers, plus indigenous tribes. Most famous was Multugra. His bravery still is told. When yearning for new horizons, here's a travel tip. Hitch up your camper. A region cannot be missed. God bless Australia. Yes, love it, love it, love it here on <laughs> Rural Queensland Today. <laughs> Back with Rural Queensland today for this Friday morning, the 7th of July. And I thought it'd be only fitting that I wrap up uh, my two weeks here with a, a racing story and a, a really interesting one as well. Uh, my next guest is well-known racing identity right across regional Queensland. Uh, David Power, who will bring up 50 years bookmaking next year. Um, of course, Crockett, as he's known to his friends and the wider racing community, uh, is a well-known bookmaker, owner, and has been involved in racing for many, many years. And I've managed to catch him this morning for a chat from the sunny, sunny coast. Uh, Crockett, good morning. Good morning, Mate, um, I'd love to know how it all began for you as a bookmaker because lots of people uh, start in the racing game. Um, they sort of might be bred into it, um, following in the footsteps of their fathers or uncles or or friends. How did you start uh, swinging the bag? Well, originally my father was the secretary of the Central Origo Race Club in Charleville for 37 years. So as kids, back in the old days, we were... Uh, we were uh, taking uh, nominations and all that sort of thing uh, two weeks before the race meetings. Yeah. And then uh, later on, I was in the shearing sheds and obviously saw plenty of punning and gambling and that sort of thing. And then uh, I went into the hotel industry in 1973 and 74. One of my old shearing mates said, you want to have a crack at bookmaking? I said, cool, if we might as well. I didn't know anything about it then, but we soon found out. And... Oh, it's fair to say uh, over that time, I think any industry, you could see that there's been massive changes. Um, but back in those days, uh, there were plenty of fearless punters and big ones at that. Oh, my word, there were. There was right from the kickoff, I think. We used to have 26, 27 bookmakers in Charleville uh, for a big meeting. Yep. And everyone wanted to throw money at them two-handed. <laughs> was there a couple of um, we don't have to bring up names but a couple of punters that used to um, be feared back in the early days oh yeah I was always scared to go to Augustella. Yeah, because obviously when you kicked off we didn't have too many bullets so uh, there was a, quite a few big punters in Augustella, and they were back in those days they were 200 and 300 dollar punters Ooh. back then and you got to remember I was working behind the bar and probably getting about 200 bucks a week. So, <laughs> so uh, times were a bit different. And then right up to even one particular day in Roma, I remember some of the local boys, they had 3,000 to 2,000 on their horse and at one came and collected. So they had uh, 5,000 on their horse to win the Roma Cup. I think I was standing for about 37,000 when I did the lead at the top of the straight. <laughs> Luckily, it got beat. <laughs> and look, the bookmaking business has sort of taken you uh, all around, all around not only the state and um, interstate as well. Where are a couple of the most memorable places you've stood? Oh, probably uh, Darwin. Started going up to Darwin in the uh, late 
1990s. That was an eye-opener. The first time I went there, I said, I went for a Darwin Cup, and I thought, God, I've got to be able to get back here. <laughs> and then I spoke to another bookie at Birdville a couple of weeks later. He said, I've got a licence. We'll go next year. So away we went. <laughs> and, and you mentioned Birdsville as well. I mean, the tab's probably changed a fair bit out there too. But uh, I know speaking to other bookmakers, you know, that was the place you really went to get a horse set. Oh, it it, it was a big, a big, you know, Birdsville was. Um, my first year there was 1978, and there was a bloke named Malcolm... Fraser there, he had one bet with me, 30 to 20, uh, Vasey Lass. And I think back in those days, we had what you you called a, a one-goer in the race, and I think he was one. But I, <laughs> the Prime Minister wouldn't have known about that, and I thought, God, I might even you're in on this. <laughs> oh, but, the, you know, country racing, bookmakers, it's, it's all a, a big part, um, and it's all rolled in together. But, of course, it... <sighs> It's not what it used to be, I suppose. What have been a few of the big changes as, as far as bookmaking and, of course, you know, people having set their horse up and, and having a bet? Oh, the biggest changes have obviously been the TAB race meetings coming in and taking, like, uh, we used to hold 100, 120, 130,000 of birds of them, yet back to about 60 to 80,000 now. But people could still... They would just and work out where they were going to win a race Maiden in Charles or the Flying in Philippi or something like that. Yeah. And they, and they could get on too. And, of course, uh, it's not just bookmaking your love of horses as well and you've often teamed up with your good mate Peter Moody and, and had a couple of handy ones. Um, I know you plan on, on hanging the bag up uh, next year or, or potentially after Charleville this year, but uh, you'll stay in, interested uh, in the horses side of things? Yes. Yeah, we're still into the uh, racing and breeding. I mean, we won a pretty handy race three weeks ago, uh, a Super Vobus race uh, down in Victoria with uh, with a horse called Line 'em Up Louie, and he's out of a mare that we raced in Western Queensland, uh, Miss Dilemma. So those sorts of things keep you interested in it. And you've had a couple of handy ones throughout your time too. Oh yeah. My word, I've had some pretty good horses. My first really good horse was old Counter-Ratio. I think he won 17 flyings. Yep. And then in the first Magic Millions, we bought a horse called Powering, and he won about 22 races, I think. Yeah, it's certainly um, it's wonderful. I always uh, love jumping in the car with you and Red and hearing a lot of these old stories. Um, now, of course, uh, your daughter, Brooke, she's got a bookmaking licence and uh, the power name will be continued to be seen around uh, tracks around uh, the West. Yeah, Brooke, you'll keep going at it. I mean, she's gone all the modern way too. She's completely electronic. We only got as far as having electronic tickets and uh, computer-generated business, but still the old um, wind up and down boards but she's got everything set up and I'm quite sure she'll go for a long way she's been framing her own markets for a long long time she'll ask me a bit of advice and she'll always get it from me and it's been a tough uh, for near going on three years um, for the trail of all racing community with the track but uh, all reports are Crockett that things are starting to uh, get on track so to speak yeah I've been when I'm in Charleville, I've been going out daily and just having a look and seeing where they're up to, and it's certainly uh, a far more professional attitude towards the uh, the revamp of the track. Everything seems to be uh, 
gelling in the place uh, pretty good. And there's look, there's no better setting there than the Charleville Racecourse. And, and look, there's so many horses trained in the town as well. I think there might be up to about 40 in work. So uh, we know it's left a massive hole in the southwest. So uh, the sooner it gets up and running and better. Have you got an eye on uh, a last meeting, uh, David? I would say um, Melbourne Cup Day in Charleville will be will be my last swan song. I had my last one in Roma just before the 30th of June and uh, the uh, race club gave me a bit of a send-off there too, which was very much appreciated. I've been going there forever too. Well, hopefully I'll be down uh, Melbourne Cup Day to have a five each way on something. Uh, <laughs> of a, a memento ticket from uh, the great David Power. Crockett, thanks very much for your time this morning and giving us a bit of an insight into into bookmaking and um, all the best uh, with your retirement, although you've got one meeting left to go. Yep. Thanks, Monty. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. That's Rural Queensland Today done and dusted for this Friday the 7th of July and another week comes to a close don't forget if you want to catch up with all the action from rural Queensland today it's easy it's at the click of a button it's via Spotify just search up rural Queensland today with Ben Dobbin and you can catch up with all the latest editions and interviews well my time's come to a close here on rural Queensland today I've uh, enjoyed the last couple of weeks in the absence of the great man himself Ben Dobbin he'll be back Monday um, to take the reins again but uh, thanks for your company over the last couple of weeks again it's been very enjoyable Andrew Watts signing out today have a wonderful weekend a safe weekend bye for now